right, it's morning huddle time. Good morning. You, I'm not saying it works. I wish you Godspeed. Godspeed with all of that. I think that's really, really nice. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure what kind of success you're going to have with that today because the world, my friend, has changed. Right. Latin American construction workers, they have different needs. They have completely different These needs. These awards have a huge... Um, like criteria that you have to fill out and they usually have a community service or community relations portion. Makes them, uh, you know, the most productive uh, with a high performance value. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Funny. Isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, not, not for me. Not for uh, me. At 11 o'clock, I am guaranteed to be snoring. So, so, um, <laughs> Good morning. It is morning huddle time, and I'm Chad Prinky alongside my co-host and producer, as always, Stacy Holzinger. Stacy, how are you this sunny day? It's amazing out here. I'm trying not to rub it in, but I... <laughs> <laughs> but but it is just the tail end of winter, just the beginning of spring, and you yeah. appear to be somewhere where short sleeves are very much called for. Uh, yeah, I am in Riverview, Florida for the week meeting a couple clients. So it's it's beautiful here. I got sunburned real bad on the boat the other day, but whatever. <laughs> so so you've, you've finally found a way to combine business and product. Finally, it took me two and a half years, but. <laughs> well done, Stacey. You've, you've made it. You've done, and and uh, write me a quick manual on that. Um, I'll look forward <laughs> to. Uh, and we have with us this morning, Darren Young, who is decidedly not in a sunny spot. Uh, Darren, thank you so much for joining us. And, and where are you this very, very dark morning? Uh, I'm up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Everett, Washington, uh, just north of Seattle. I, I bounce around between Tacoma, which is south of Seattle, and Everett, north of Seattle. So our shop is up north, and my main office uh, is a little satellite office south, a little bit that, closer to home. That is, um, that is quite literally the exact opposite of Florida. Yes. Um, Florida so. can be wet. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to do this morning. I just mean the the you know, as far as the continental United States goes, uh, it, it, is, right. it is diagonally uh, opposed. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us, Darren. Darren is uh, he's in charge of digital transformation at UMC. UMC is a builder in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I'll let uh, he's the director of construction technology. That is, and I, and I'll let I'll let Darren provide more background uh, on sort of who he is and and how he got to where he is. Um, uh, so it's a it's a various and sorted um, uh, you know background. So so Darren, I'd love to have you uh, walk through that for for some context for our audience. Sure. Uh, well, initially, I went to school being an electrician and through a series of strategic missteps and mistakes, ended up in manufacturing. Uh, spent a number of time there and I, I kind of just as the manufacturer was getting into CAD and CNC machining I was just kind of there when they picked up on that and it's like hey this is this is cool this is going to get me out of here someday uh, so I've always worked for manufacturers uh, about 2008 I switched to construction uh, that said I've always worked for manufacturers of construction product dimension stone architectural precast concrete yep. uh, commercial casework and so now i get into construction side uh and we're actually fabricating so i've always had one foot firmly planted in both worlds which can be a challenge but it's it's uh kind of kind of familiar getting in construction i, I like getting back you know the the prefabrication and manufacturing aspect um 
it's it's good to get back into that. So with, from, our, from a construction perspective, we're in the MEP space. You know, if it's hot, cold, in, or cold in a building, it's our competitor's fault. So we'll come in and fix it for you. <laughs> plumbing, piping, and sheet metal is what we do. Excellent. Excellent. All right, cool. And uh, and and how long have you been um, with this group? And what's your what's your specific role for for UMC? Oh, uh, just over two years. Uh, I've I've known some of the folks up here for a long time. It's a this is a pretty tight knit industry. Everybody knows everybody or has worked for everybody at some point. So I've been here a couple of years. Uh, I how to best describe my role? I know director of construction technology. It seems like. That's the least thing I do. I, I focus an awful lot more on fabrication, which, you know, or manufacturing. My, you know, these last couple of years, my head's been around supply chain and logistics, just internally, not, you know, not availability in the market, but how do we track the materials coming in and, and distribute them to our shops and our, you know, our job sites and things like that. So uh, if general, some, you know, some days you just, you, you kind of feel like a janitor with a mop and a bucket, you're, you're, you're firefighting, cleaning up messes, you, you be strategic where you've got time, um, tactical, you know, where required and you just, it's, it's a juggling act. So just it, it's it's uh it sounds like so many construction professionals uh description that I, I work at the end of the day it's kind of you know this is my title slash whatever the hell it takes to get the job done um and uh and so it sounds like you're in about the same boat there um Stacy you know Stacy does an awesome job finding people to be a part of our uh show and I think when uh, Stacy uh, found Darren, I think the reason that that we brought Darren on the show, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Stacy, is just that his his expert content and his posts that he was putting out on LinkedIn, in, in relation to just kind of you know facing reality, uh, with CDC, <laughs> which is uh, maybe it's a, a really nice way of saying Darren's uh, Darren puts his foot in his mouth in public, and we like that. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I am the self-proclaimed director of devil's advocacy. <laughs> I love that. Um, well, and so, and so let, let's, uh, for a moment, let's just define VDC for our audience. Uh, let's orient them to that sort of world. So yeah. And not everybody's uh, even, even if they're a contractor may not be uh, in, in a space where they're experiencing a lot of, um, uh, you know, VDC uh, BIM based projects. So describe if we can, Darren, you know, briefly what VDC is. Uh, the acronym just stands for virtual design and construction. We've all heard the term BIM for, you know, well over a decade. And, you know, some people think BIM equals Revit. Some people think it's a process. Some think it's more of a, a philosophy. It, you know, it's, it's many things to many people. I, I think the VDC is, is probably a more, broad term that more probably accurately describes what we're trying to do. And we're trying to take digital, all the digital information and build a project virtually. Uh, doesn't necessarily save time, you know, or hours necessarily, but it shifts them from the field into the office where there's a lot less risk. Uh, and so a lot of it's about mitigating risk. You know, it, it, it takes longer to cut measure twice uh, than measure once, but it's way more costly to cut twice so that's why we, you know, again, you know, from a lean perspective, which uh, comes from my manufacturing days, you know, you want to be efficient and you shouldn't put waste, but there is no perfect system. So VDC is kind of that measure twice, you know, so that we can cut once. I love it. That's I, and, I, and I really appreciate the candor as it relates to, you know, 
the actual time savings. It's kind of like may not actually save any time from start to finish in, in the project, but um, you know, it's tearing something out virtually is much less expensive than tearing something out physically. Virtual out rework. And virtual in fact, a lot of people, you typically do physical rework on your own dime. Virtual rework, a little secret in the industry is quite often we get paid for it because it's people don't notice. Right. Um, but you know, it's um, yeah, it's a lot less costly than physical product. Yeah. And physical no, labor. No doubt. So, so, all right. So we're going to have a conversation about w exactly what, what, where VDC, sh you know, does fit, maybe should fit and, um, and, and basically just get all of your, uh, you know, bold opinions on, on the, on the topic and maybe get into an argument or two, which could be fun. Uh, <laughs> we will bring Stacy back. Uh, with about 10 minutes to go so that we can channel any questions from the audience. But for the next 10 minutes, Darren, let's you and I uh, get into this um, uh, topic together. So, sure. all right. So, so I think the first question that I have is, you know, there's so much happening around virtual design and construction. There's new hardware, there's new software, there's, um, you know, the flavor of the, of the, of the day uh, in this, in this space. But before we start looking at the newest shiny objects that are, you know, that are, that are making their way into the industry, what are the foundations we need in place before we start looking at, you know, the latest and greatest? Uh, yeah, I, 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 th I think you, you've got to have, you know, again, all this digital technology requires data. If you don't have good data, accurate data, if your data is dirty, you know, again, it's it's not going to really help. You know, the tools just don't, you know, a Band-Aid doesn't fix a cut. Uh, so you need to make sure you're healthy in terms of your data. The process as well, you need to have really great processes dialed in. What is your process? Uh, I think sometimes we just think the tools will take care of it for us. Uh, you need to have a, you know, kind of a culture of continuous improvement. You know, it, just because you throw a tool at something doesn't mean that the process is dialed in or it's efficient or that it couldn't be more efficient. Um, the other thing I th think, you know, and the, the, one of the great culture th things I see in construction is people just get it done. At the end of the day, we build a hundred percent of the building. There's no 80, 20 rule. We build a hundred percent of it, no matter the quality of the data or the processes or the, whatever the obstacles we get it done. You move that in a digital world, uh, people can get hung up on some things that really don't matter sometimes. So, you know, well, I wasn't trained. It's like, well, then go train yourself. If no, it'd be nice if somebody trained you, but you, I think you really need a culture of ownership too, where just, you know, you know, how, how can I may improve the quality of somebody else's outcome, not just my own. Um, you know, when I talk to people in the industry, it's, everyone knows what the problems are. And the common theme I hear all too often is it's somebody else should fix it. It's somebody else's problem. A lot of finger pointing as to where the problems are, what they are. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the, one of the great cultures about construction is people just roll up their sleeves and get it done. Yeah. And I think more of that culture could get pulled into the office, um, and into the virtual environment. I, I, I agree with that sentiment. I think a lot of that could get pulled into the design side as well. Um, you know, with the, um, uh, the architects and, and, uh, and engineers of our industry. So, so the, the, um, I, I'm, what I'm hearing you say there is fundamentally accurate data 
strong processes and a culture that's actually going to embrace and own the new technology that we choose to adopt because we can throw technology at a problem, but if we have bad data and bad processes, the, the technology is not going to solve it. And we can get really excited about the new shiny object, but if we don't have a discipline of saying, all right, now, now what? how are we going to make sure that we actually use this thing and maximize, optimize its potential, um, uh, then then we're wasting our, our time and money there as well. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's really funny. I, I, I was with a company probably a month ago that was um, really struggling to get accurate job costing nailed. It was like, you know, we just, we can't really hammer this down. We know that we've got, you know, five or 10% of, of, of slop and we're trying to sort through it. And what we really need is this new accounting software. And I was like, you know, would you, I don't disagree that your accounting software is, is antiquated and there's lots of opportunity for improvement, but I think what you really need is to figure out why you can't get accurate accounting information because I think you have too many cost codes. Oh, yes. And, and I think your people are not trained on, uh, you know, where to apply those things. And I think if they had both those things, they'd be filtering that information into your crappy accounting system and you'd know what your job costs were. So why don't you sort that out while you shop? <laughs> you know, and, and because it's, you know, shopping isn't going to solve your lack of training and the fact that you have, you know, probably 50% more cost codes than you need. That's a very familiar, very familiar. Uh, yeah, if, if you've got, if you've got that many cost codes, people are just not going to use them and they're going to dump their time somewhere else. Uh, yep. the, the people in the field are going to be efficient no matter what you try. And so you, if you talk to some really seasoned data professionals they're like you know hey stop trying to drill into the granular data let's step back it's like okay so just overall did we estimate as you know how many feet of you know carbon steel pipe did we estimate how much did we actually buy and install let's just start there let's look at the whole building can we get that right and then start dialing it in um, you know, if you start trying to get into the granular bits and pieces right away, uh, that's one reason, you know, technologies like, uh, like tracking, you know, status tracking of material, you know, is very difficult. The, the technology is really simple. What do you want to track? Every, yeah. I mean, if you're, if every time you turn around, you're barcoding something, you're not actually building anything. So you've got to find kind of creative ways that this stuff happens more automatic is just a natural organic output, uh, of our work. But I mean, if you need a cost code for reporting, that's a work activity then. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So, all right. Okay. So, so um, next, next question is what are some of the, I don't know what a better word for this is, but maybe some of the misconceptions about virtual design and construction. When, when people get this image in their mind, you've been around this for, you know, quite a while. What, what, what do you think they, misunderstand, um, overstate, understate, you know, wh where do you think we get it wrong? Oh, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. as, uh, as we've established, you think yeah. there are a lot of problems there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's some of it's just, there's inherent conflict in, in business needs between different stakeholders. So, um, one of the big misconceptions I see, everyone thinks it's going to save time and it doesn't necessarily yeah. save time. It shifts it from the field into the office where it's a lot less costly. Um, you know, the, 
you know, from a, a lean, you know, manufacturing perspective, you don't want to do excess work and movement. So they, you know, but you, we've all heard the measure twice, cut once. Right. Measuring twice is twice as costly as measuring once. You know, cutting twice is twice as costly as cutting once. What's more costly, cutting, tw- you know, an extra cut or an extra measure? So we opt for, you know, those extra inefficiencies. So they shift them in the office. Yeah, uh, but, but, but what about when we don't have time to measure twice, you know, uh, on a, on a project, right? Like, isn't that a reality? Isn't it aren't, is it, is there not such a thing as projects that, you know, just, we just can't go through this process. Yeah, that, that does happen. Uh, Schedule is probably one of the biggest hurdles. I think I, you know, you see is just, I, I guarantee there's not a, I'd love to talk to any builder contractor that says there's enough time in the schedule to actually think. I hear the same thing for design okay. professionals. They, you know, we don't have time for great design. We've got, we do the best we can in the time we're allocated. Right. And so, I mean, you, you qualify based on value, you win the bid based on cost. And after that, everything shifts into speed and time to market is a big thing. So it's one of the things I see people more on the VDC side struggle with. I was at an industry event recently and we were talking about scanning and just talking about the use of laser scanners on, on a deck. And, you know, for, you know, if, if you've got a, if the, the rebar guys end up knocking a sleeve, a floor sleeve out of place, it's, you know, two, $3,000 to record that concrete. And so we could just scan all that process that make sure everything's in place and one of the uh, one of the gentlemen there was a represented a very large owner portfolio of data centers. He said, "How long would that take?" Well, you know, we go out there and scan it and send the scans back in, and some spend a day looking through that. He's like, "You just cost me a million dollars." Yeah. So that I mean, those are you know, yes, we could do more in VDC, but sometimes the juice isn't worth the squeeze, as they say. Um, and I think I see a lot of the VDC younger VDC professionals really struggling with kind of the business aspects of where should you do it? Yes, you could, but there's other bigger values. Where, so, so I'm going to, I'm going to toss this for instance at you, where should we definitely do it? And where should we maybe not? Where, what are the situations when you think modeling is um, a no brainer? We really need to be doing that. And maybe some of the instances where modeling is just the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Uh, you know, the larger projects obviously is where we do it. And when people ask them what percentage of your jobs, you know, jobs are VDC or, you know, have a BIM requirement. And I say like five and it shocks them. And it's like, well, hang on. You know, we, we do a couple thousand special projects a year. Those things are, you know, some last a day or two, you know, who has time to VDC that, you know, now we do a hundred percent of our major projects are, you know, that's where the bulk of the dollars are. So it depends on the size of the project. Right. Are we talking about percentage of total projects? That's 5%. We're talking about percentage of revenue. That may be a much larger number because when we look at the large projects, a hundred percent of those are, are, uh, you know, VDC projects. Yeah. Anything you're going to want to prefab or modularize or turn into manufactured products, you're going to want to go into, you know, again, I've, I've even seen prefabrication take longer and cost more, but there's only so many people getting in a job site. I can't scale a job site. I can scale shops. I can scale, I can put on a night shift. I can, you know, I can bring on another shop, things like that. So you start doing that stuff that pay, you, you need to pre-plan and that VDC is really pre-planning what you're, the product you're going to build. Yeah. And I want to, I want to pounce for a second on that, on that term that you just use scale, because 
I think it's so, so important to, um, frankly, to business. It's just, it's a, it's a, an important concept in business. And it may be something that our audience could use a little bit of, um, you know, fundamental understanding of when we, when you said you can't scale, scale the field, but I can scale the shop. Uh, what, what did you mean by that? Uh, you know, this is a, a pretty volatile industry. It, you can, it, you know, literally within in a week, you could go from overtime to layoffs back to overtime. You know, so when you have a very fast track product, fast track project, there's only so many people fit on the job site. There's only so many cranes you can put up. Um, and so, you know, meaning the job you, site is finite, right? You, yeah, the, the site itself is a, it's a finite space. There's going to be a, a, a certain number of humans that can even fit in that space. Furthermore, there's probably only a certain number of humans that are qualified to do the work in that space and that have the safety requirements and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, so we have a very limited capability to work in the field. Is yeah, that, I, that's what you're I, saying? I, yeah, I can, I can, I can add more square footage to my shop. I can reconfigure my shop. Um, maybe more, you know, Hey, we're going to, we don't do a lot of racks maybe. So, but this next project, we're going to do a lot of racking. So maybe I do a temporary reconfigure my shop to build more of a flow for racks or, you know, it's pretty common in, in our area, you know, we'll, you know, some of our, 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 uh, our piping suppliers, uh, whether it's, you know, Puget Sound pipe or Ferguson, you know, our contractors will actually use their space, you know, for staging materials, assembling, cutting, you know, we, you know, we could bring on another warehouse. So we can literally expand our footprint in the shop yep. um, much more so than we can, that we can do in the field. Furthermore, then you also talk about adding shifts, right? We could, we could run three shifts. We could, we could literally run a 24 hour shop operation for a period of time on a fast track project to meet demand. All of these things, and I'll move on, but all of these things are just an example, uh, you know, that Darren's bringing up of, uh, of scale. And uh, when it comes to meeting a demand, scale is essentially just, you know, uh, how, how much you can replicate what you are doing uh, in, in the same amount of time. Yes, right. Some of that too, I would even lump in like production smoothing, you know, there's surges in work. Uh, in a construction project. And so uh, if you can get things decided early and, and dialed in, you can start fabricating early. So you can production smooth. Um, you know, that's harder to do at the job site. You can do it in a, in a shop environment. You can start storing assemblies, you know, um, you know, so that when things really ramp up, you've already got it built and you're just assembling at that point. You're not actually building anymore. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, uh, so what are some examples where, where modeling just doesn't make sense? Uh, you know, service work, you know, in our industry, in our, you know, MEP service work, special projects, you know, a lot of that smaller scale work is just, you know, I'm going to go in, I'm going to pop my head up above the ceiling tile. I'm going to see what's there. Got to communicate back to somebody and, you know, we're going to actually tear this out and rebuild it in three days. You know, so, you know, day one, I'm looking to see what's there. Day two, we actually build it. Day three, we install it. I don't have another day to put, you know, VDC in there. By the time I explained it to the VDC guy and then review what they've done, I've, I've already explained it to the shop and they're already building it. You know, so that's probably one of the biggest, you know, issues I, I have with some of the people in, in my particular craft is just, oh, everything should be modeled. Really? Everything, you know, do you have a 3D model? How many drywall screws are in there? Did you actually model those? <laughs> I mean, there, there gets to be a diminishing return sometimes on, on, 
on that type of stuff. And some, some of it's just really project specific. You know, I think the hardest thing for me to wrap around is the design, you know, the construction schedule being ahead of the design schedule. How can that be? Happens all the time if you talk to people. Yeah. And so those make it a little bit harder sometimes, um, you know, to do that stuff. It really depends on the really on the project, the team, the dynamics, you know, the schedule, you know, the owner, um, you know, if, if you've got a developer doing a shell and core and, you know, you got a different contractor doing the TI, it's probably not going to be as efficient from a VDC construction perspective, but each owner's getting what they want out of the project. You know, the developer wants to take his money and run and turn it over to the tenant. So they're going to demobilize their crane, even though the TI could really use a crane to install some of the equipment and materials. So. Yeah. Um, it's just uh, the business sometimes does not lead for our owner's business and value drivers sometimes don't lead to efficiency, you know, in our side. Some of, sometimes the biggest value we can provide is actually to absorb that, uh, you know, those volatile natures of our customer's business for them and, ma and just make it easy for them. Makes our job hard, but. Right, right, right. Well, that's part of it. I, I'm uh, I'm going to bring Stacy back here uh, because I know that we're going to have um, a handful of questions uh, before we wrap up from the audience. But one of the things that I I guess I want to clarify is that, you know my, my and, and argue with me, Darren. I but but my opinion on this is that that the projects where it doesn't currently make sense for one reason or another to get into modeling that that landscape is changing all the time that that the easier it becomes that the faster it is to measure twice that the do you know what i mean the the, the more yeah, yeah. automated those processes become the more of a no brainer it, it it is to go ahead and model the building and i think my biggest fear is that we don't get the word out about those things and that people miss out on really common sense opportunities that would add very little cost, very little time and have a huge return on investment. What's your perspective on that? Uh, that's that, I think that's accurate. Um, when you get into VDC and it, you're, it's going to be more costly when you start. Um, I, you know, one of the things I tell people is just, you know, what's more efficient, a shovel or a backhoe? Everyone's thinking a backhoe. No, backhoe, it's, right. it's a shovel. You know why? I don't know how to use a backhoe. Right. <laughs> so throw me in there and I don't know what to do. Now, what's the right answer? The backhoe. So I'm not going to be efficient initially. Probably not going to be as safe. It's going to yep. take a while, mm -hmm. but that's the right answer. So you can't look at it just from a perspective of, of time and money. And, and like I said, it's one of those things that, you know, the, the right team, you know, you can you learn, you get more proficient with the tools and you're not going to do that uh, by just, well, you know, looking again, you, you don't run a business from a spreadsheet. There's a lot of gut feel for it. And you just kind of know what the right decisions are, even sometimes when they don't make sense on paper. Well, I, I we appreciate this uh, dialogue about, you know, the, 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 I guess the real world experience from an MEP, you know, or from a mechanical contractor that is, uh, you know, in, 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 applying this stuff on a daily basis. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ask one quick question. I saw it in the chat and it was actually, you know, on my list as well. So I'm, I'll, I'll ask it, uh, which is, you know, uh, for your business in your company, what's the technology that you're currently using? What's what, what software 
um, packages are you currently using? Uh, well, ev everyone's going into Revit. It's more of a project requirement. So, you know, Revit quite a bit, you know, that's, that's just about every VDC, you know, BIM requirement is, is going to be in Revit. Um, now we use Autodesk Fabrication, you know, for drawing the piping and plumbing. The other big competitor in that space is Trimble's SysQ product. Um, I, you know, that tends to be a, a pretty hot button topic in our little niche industry. And honestly, you know, both are great products and either one would work, uh, depending on the environment. I, you know, I try not to get too caught up on the, you know, the name brand type stuff. It's just what works. I mean, I've, you know, and I won't name other, other pack. There's some packages I've, I've probably picked the lesser of the packages when I decide what to deploy because culturally it fit better or it was easier to incrementally adopt, uh, even though the, the better product was, you know, something I was interested in. It's just it had a harder adoption curve. So it's really, you know, like I said, you know, the, the Navis, the Revits, it's all pretty standard stuff, our industry. Um, you know, so. Just, you know, putting it out there because I know that our audience, particularly our live audience right now, is is you know chomping at the bit to to, to sort of know when you talk about your world, what you know, what software are you using? So so that that's your tech stack. Got it. Yeah, there's there's a lot more. We're we're doing more manufacturing. So SolidWorks Inventor. I'd like to see a lot more of that um, than we're doing. Uh, you know, the typical cloud stuff, Autodesk Spin 360, you know, some Trimble viewpoint teams. You know, this is the hard part about a mechanical contractor. You know, if the GC is on Procore, we're going to be using some Procore. If the right. GC is on BIMTrack, we're going to be using some BIMTrack. It's really hard to have an enterprise product, you know, in your own company when you're kind of, you know, having to, you know, to meet the customer where they're at. Um, you know, I, I was at a company once and we, we tracked, we had like over 20 different pr products we used to actually collaborate and share files between contractors. Oh my God. You know, from FTP sites to, you know, Google Docs. It just, it was, it's crazy. It sounds like the opposite of lean. Yeah. Um, all right, Stacy, we probably have time for one or two questions here uh, from the yeah. audience. With the, <clears throat> sorry, with that being said, should we track things that we can't control? Absolutely. Probably my bis biggest disagreement with people in the MEP space. Uh, like it comes to coordination, we have no control. It's really up to the GC. If they can't manage coordination efficiently, we're just, it is what it is. And so there's a lot of things you can't control, but you can influence and you can't influence without data or knowledge to share that. And so I always hear people talk about the, oh, the engineers never know. We always get poor engineering quality, you know, drawings. <laughs> you know, have we ever explained to the engineer what we care about, what we don't, you know, um, has the engineer ever explained that to the architect that, that goes all over the place? You know, we've heard that before that, you know, well, I, you know, people, in professional realms, you t we tell people that you don't actually have to have employees working under you to influence them, you know, so, but you can, or to, you have to manage them to influence them and help lead them. You can, same thing with construction. We track, we should be tracking more things so that when, when the general contracts tractor asks us to do something that we think is not wise, we can say, yes, we can do that. Here's the impact. And without that data, you're just going to be taking their decision and, and running with it the best you can. But, so um, I see a lot of people, oh, we can't control that. So it doesn't pay. I, I do think it pays, but it's more of a long game. Um, so someone who's dedicated to doing things in a virtual environment, 
what would you say is important when working together in person? Like, why is that important and how can you achieve that? Oh, another hot button topic for me. Uh, work from home, I think, is bad in a lot of ways. Uh, I talked to a, a BIM leader at one of the companies I worked at. They had multiple offices out on the East Coast. And and she's like, God, this team out there in Baltimore, rogue. It's like, when's the last time you're out there? It's like, well, I've never been there. You got to go there. And then I explained, it's like, I said, I'll go there and I will have a two hour conversation with somebody who will never call and never email being physically present. You get to know people, you know, hang out back. You want to find out what really happens at a company, go hang out with the guys in the back of the shop when they're having their smoke break, you'll find out what really happens. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, I can give several examples of where, you know, I showed up to have an in-person conversation to say no to somebody who asked for something that seemed very simple and obvious, but I had a reason. Had to do. I wanted to do that in person. It was more personal, and that's led to a whole series of things. And hey, as long as you're here, come see this. And we made a big process improvement in VDC, not even related to what I went into the office for that day, just because it was a, a chain reaction. You got to be present. Management while walking around. You know, now you can do things. I can. I can support people very good remotely. I've. I've been the first call on the West Coast when the shop goes down at 5 a.m. on the East Coast. Uh, because I work graveyard shift. I know what that's like. I'm happy to support them. But they felt comfortable calling me when it was important. And I knew what to do because I actually have been there. And I've met them. I've had lunch with them. You mm-hmm. know, we've been through the battle together. So um, I, I just culturally, there's some things you just can't do. People will talk to you in person that will never call you. Oh, they're busy. I don't want to bother them. Or I don't have time to type up that email. But if they see you, hey, as long as you're here, hey, come look at this. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna virtually design a product to get installed in the field, how are you gonna do that without seeing how the shop actually builds it? Yeah. It's a fascinating topic and and it's one of those things that I, I agree. We're we're you know, we're all trying to sort out in a in a newly virtual um uh world where people are really um on mass you know, used to operating virtually more so, but it's that we've lost a lot, man. And, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, you know, I, I, I think in, and I'm glad that I operate in construction where the, the vast majority of my clients are, you know, uh, in person and haven't, uh, and haven't experienced a lot of the mess that, that I think some of the, uh, some of the rest of the economy has, has it, you know, experienced. It's a very social industry and business and I think one of the biggest mistakes we see, you got all the tech prognosticators and the vendors and who are collaboration platform. And I called somebody out on this on LinkedIn. They commented about digital communication. It's like, no, people don't digitally communicate. You know, they message. You know, imagine with your wife and your kids <laughs> never talking to them. You just communicate through post-it notes, but you never speak. <laughs> You know, that's, 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 you know, that's what email is. It's, it's messaging, you know, all these platforms about statuses and alerts and task trackers, that's messaging. Sure. Communication is me and you, maybe a second person, a, a third person, right. you know, and so people have been, especially the work with home has made it worse. We've convinced ourselves that all of these digital platforms are communication vehicles and they're not, they're messaging vehicles and tracking vehicles and status vehicles. And those are all good things, but they don't replace getting on the phone. Says Uh, a person who is literally building buildings in a virtual environment, quote, get back together in person. Uh, It's necessary. 
I learned this from a president of a company I worked with back in manufacturing. He had a theology degree of all things. And he said, you're driving by the road, you see somebody broke down and it's your best friend. Mm-hmm. You stop and help them? Yeah. What if it's a stranger? He said, you want people to be your friends. And so he had this rule of thumb. Are, are you in the same building? Go talk to them. Yes, it'll take longer, but you got to build that personal relationship. You know, fall back on a phone call. Third should be email or message, you know, text messages. But, you know, you, you it's you want you know someday you're going to screw something up and the only but person's going to help you out is another guy that's gonna you're going to destroy their world you know to, for them to try to help you you want them to be your friend and you can't do that as easily virtually as if you met him in person totally so. yeah it's it's uh i i i oftentimes use the analogy of like imagine treating people um in an elevator the way that you treat them while you're driving down the road um, you know, like the same, you know, would you get out of my way and, you know, you know, slam and giving everybody the finger, you know, there's something that when we're, when we are face to face sharing the same air that, that it, it does make a huge it's, impact. Uh, one of the biggest examples I can think of is, uh, I, I know, uh, a, a, a plumber, plumbing detailer and his project manager hated each other, literally hated each other, would avoid each other. Company had a, uh, cornhole tournament to kind of build team building and you had to be paired up with somebody who was not in your department. Right. Those two got paired up. They got to know each other outside of a work, you know, professional environment, got to be friends and they worked better together after that. Now they could work after that, they could work virtually together, but that physical presence broke down and broke down a lot of barriers for those two people. Awesome. So, Great stuff. Well, uh, Darren, this is a, uh, uh, we'll end it there. Great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, to, to, you know, a wide and, ver- um, you know, a, a, a conversation with a lot of variety. So appreciate yeah. your um, uh, joining and sharing your perspectives. It's also been nice to watch the sunrise in your background. Right. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of cloudy. It'll yeah. vary throughout the day. Yeah. It's all so. good. It's, it's, uh, there will be light. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> Uh, Darren, uh, any parting words before we wrap up? Oh, keep chipping away at it. That's all, <laughs> you know, you'll never be done. If I accomplish 10% <laughs> of the things that I think should happen, I'll, it'll be a huge success. There's just, you know, there's so much to do and not enough time to do it all. Yeah. Mindset of progress and, and progress, not perfection. Right. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, I guess lastly, I'll, I'll steal something a good friend of mine mentioned. He said, if, if you're still running payroll office spreadsheets, you got no business looking at robots. So yeah. just use that when the next time somebody talks about robots running around. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Darren. We appreciate having you for your common sense and real world approach. We appreciate it. Uh, Stacy, right. let's talk a little bit about uh, what we have coming up. And, um, uh, you know, I think first off next week, same time, episode 48, we've got Jim Rogers, who's actually an employee of LinkedIn. Um, right. He's a part of the LinkedIn, uh, uh, online training curriculum. So he's, he runs construction specific training and we're going to be talking to him about that, the, the variety of construction training that he puts on, but specific emphasis on their project management training modules. Um, that'll be a really interesting conversation with Jim uh, for, from LinkedIn Learning. And uh, as always, email us to be added to our weekly mailing list. Make sure that you email Stacy H at steeltoe.com. And uh, as we get ready for our next season, which starts uh, in the summer, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we are loading up our calendar uh, every week, adding new people. If you or someone you know has an important story to tell about creating positive change in the building industry, please reach out to Stacey or I, uh, and we will uh, you know, engage that person and figure out how and if they fit into uh, to what we're trying to accomplish in, in the next season. Um, other than that, I think we can wrap it up, Stacey. Yeah. Any, any other comments or questions? Nope, you covered it all. We're good to go. And we'll see you guys next week. Can't wait. See you soon. Stacy. enjoy. Thank you. <laughs> see ya. See ya.